Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, this is The Bright Side with Technisha. A daily broadcast on real-life issues that will keep you motivated. And now, here's your host, Technisha. Good afternoon, everyone. Today is the second day of August 2014. Welcome to The Bright Side with Technisha. I am your host, Technisha. I'm glad that you're here with me taking out the time on this wonderful Saturday Today, I hope everybody has a good day planned for themselves. I hear a few concerts going on in Atlanta today, so enjoy your enjoy your day. I'll have my day off tomorrow, so ugh, I need it because girls go back to school on Monday. I am waiting on one of a special guest to call in because I know a lot of us need this person in our lives. We all going through it, but I don't want to spoil it just yet until the, the person does call in. But at the moment, if you have an inspiring story or you just want to get something off your chest, you can call in at 347-426-3751. I have not yet opened up the chat box, but I will do that um, in a while. But at the moment, I will just hit you with some good old tunes, and we are going to go from there because I don't like to keep nobody bored, I tell you that much. That's that's not me. I I don't do that part. I I don't like to do a whole lot of talking as much unless I have a guest on. So at the moment, until my guests do call in, I'm just going to hit you with some tunes and maybe give you a few little updates on things going on around the world. So just stay tuned. You're tuning in to Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. Birthday. It's your birthday. They ask me what I do and who I do it for yeah. And how I come up with this shit up in the studio yeah. All I want for my birthday is a big booty go no. All I want for my birthday is a big booty go no. When I die, bury me inside the Gucci Go down 
niggas and fall asleep with the TV on. Y'all been together 10 years, you deserve a menage. Especially if you put that BMW in a garage. Especially if you paid a couple payments on her mama crib. Went to her niece's graduation, man, I hate those kids. Last birthday, she got you a new sweater. Put it on, give her a kiss and tell her do better. She said, how about I get you jewelry from the West End? How about she hit the West End and get a best friend? <laughs> I'm joking, I'm just serious. I asked her, don't be acting like no actress. If we preach it, then we practice. Don't be reaching, don't be touching We ain't Kanye West bands. Cause I will turn you back to a pedestrian. Yeah. They ask me what I do and who I do it wow. Yeah. And how I come up with this up in the studio. Wow. Yeah. All I want for my birthday is a big booty gun. All I want for my birthday is a big booty gun. When I die, bury me inside the country style. When I die, bury me inside the low It's your birthday, it's your birthday, bad, bad contest, you in first place, you in first place, you in first place, bad, bad contest, you in first place, I show up with a check to your workplace, they hand the valet the keys to the Mercedes, tell the DJ play your song, this come on, what I'm seeing from the back, I came front of just looking online about this Ebola virus going on. It's so darn scary that we're living in these times now. And they just said that the first Ebola patient is on the ground in Atlanta, and the ambulance is now leaving from Dobbins Air Base. And this just is so scary. You know, I was listening to one of my coworkers talking about her cousin had just got a job at Emory, and she's just thinking about moving on. It's no joke out here, people. We better get ourselves together because it's coming. It's, it's not playing. God is coming. We don't know when, but we just better straighten up. This is this is very scary. Just to look at this Ebola. I mean, oh. So just be careful, people. That's all I can say. Be careful out here. Stay informed. Know what's going on around you. Not. Just go out and party all the time. Know what's actually going on around you. 
If you want to talk about this or anything at all, do call in at 347-426-3751. I'm your host, Technicia, and you're tuning in to Blog Talk Radio, and this is the show, The Bright Side with Technicia. Go, go, go. We gon' party like it's your birthday. We gon' sip a party like it's your birthday. And you know we don't give a fuck if that's your birthday. You'll find me in the club, bottle full of bub. Look, mommy, I got the head sitting in the taking drugs. I'm in the having sex, I ain't in the making love. So come give me a hug, get in the getting rough. You can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. Look, mommy, I got the head sitting in the taking drugs. I'm in the having sex, I ain't in the making love. So come give me a hug, get in the getting rough. About front, you see the Benz on uh-huh. When I roll 20 deep, it's 29s in the club. Yeah. Niggas heard I fuck with Dre, now they wanna show me love. When you sell like Eminem and the hoes, they wanna fuck. The homie ain't nothing, chain goes down, G's up. I see exhibit in the cut, they nigga roll that weed up. Roll that. Watch how I move and mistake before I play up here. Been hit with a few shells, but now I walk with a limp. In the hood, in the day, they say 50, you hot. Uh-huh. They like me, I want them to love me like they love pop. But how they in New York, the niggas should tell you I'm local. Yeah.
from a wildfire can travel over a mile, carrying a world of trouble. It can land, ignite, and destroy your home and community. You can't control where that ember will land, only what happens before it does. With simple things like clearing areas around buildings, knowing community safe zones, and being prepared for wildfires, you could keep this from turning into this. Your home is better protected from wildfire when your whole community is prepared. Visit fireadapted.org for more tips on how to get started adapting your home and community to wildfires. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. You know, they say in this report that two Americans, not just one, were infected with Ebola, and they're going to be treated in the United States, and they're marking this the first time the deadly virus has been treated within the U.S. borders. And as of this week, the Ebola virus disease has killed more than 700 people, according to the World Health Organization. There's really no cure and no vaccine for Ebola, and it kills between 69% of its victims. And the current outbreak, the largest in history, originated in Liberia, has spread to neighboring countries, but it has been contained thus far to West Africa. And one year, celebrity billionaires tweeted, which was Donald Trump, he said, stop the Ebola patients from entering the U.S., treat them at the highest level over there. The United States has enough problems. 
I don't want to comment because I don't want to really just jump into that, even though I do agree with him a little bit. I think that we do have enough issues, and if it's coming from these, if it's coming from over there, shouldn't you treat it over there instead of bringing it over here? Hmm. So, yeah. Anyhow, um, any comments on that? Do like I said, you can call in. Um, my Facebook fan page is the Bright Side with Technicia. All I can say, I'm not perfect in everything, but I am thankful for. I'm I'm thankful for everything that I have been blessed with. That's all I can say. And and anyone out there should be thankful that they're living because this is something serious. It's, it's scary to know that this is around us. And it feels like you're helpless. You can't do anything about it. But anyhow, I will hit you with some tunes, and we will get the guest on in just a moment. So stay tuned. Do not touch that dial. We'll be right back after this.
uh, originally from Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, and he grew up on a small farm. And then eventually he moved down to Trenton, New Jersey, where I'm originally from. And I just learned everything from him. And I've been gardening, you know, since I was a kid, you know, five, six, seven. I used to help him in the garden. And then as I got older, I just had a passion for it and carried on today. And hopefully I can pass it on to my children as well. I know that's right. Well, I'm glad that you're on because my husband, he does a lot of gardening. And we just had rodents in our garden to eat our corn. And that's another question, which brings me to the question is, how to actually keep animals and rodents out of your garden? Uh, well, when you say rodents, are you, are you, what, what kind of rodents are we talking about? Because everyone's kind of handled a little differently. Um, okay. Well, rats. Um, it, was, it was rats. And my husband said he saw the bush shaking. He thought, oh, it's probably just birds. He went over there. Oh, okay, it's rats eating on my corn. Take it, try and take the whole car. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know, you must have been growing some good corn if they wanted it that bad. Uh, when it comes to, you know, uh, mice, rats, things like that, that I wouldn't say it's very common, but it does happen. Um, with those things, you kind of you have to use a trap. There's really no way because they can actually burrow under fences. They can climb over. So a fence really isn't going to do you any good. So you really have to use a trap for mice, rats. You have to trap gophers, uh, fox, things like that. These are kind of all along those lines. If you're talking more like rabbits, a fence works great. If you're talking deer, a bigger fence really is the only way you're going to keep deer out. Um, so I, with your situation, I would recommend uh, just some type of trap around the base of your corn. Obviously, you'll want to be careful when you go into your, your cornfield, but um, that's really the best way of handling that. And I tell you, with the way times are going and everything that they inject into these food products, Garden is going to be the only solution that we're going to have after a while. I'm saying, even if you're a meat eater, you're going to be growing your own vegetables because he loves to do it. He gets out there, grow his cucumber, squash, all of it. So I got to Yeah, the, uh, you, know, you, you talked about how you know, things are, are going up. Me and my wife, we went to a supermarket about a week ago, and mm-hmm. one of the, in the produce section, they were uh, they had a sign up there that said, three cucumbers for $1.99. Uh, to me, that was absurd <laughs> because you could plant, you know, a few cu- cucumber plants and, and, you know, easily get anywhere from 40 to 60 cucumbers on just a few plants. And, you know, that's, that's the way things are going. I mean, things are getting more expensive. So, you know, a garden is a, a great way to help, you know, cut down on some of those costs. Right. Now, what's the best time of the year to really start gardening? Um, it really depends on where you live. Uh, I know a lot of people, I have a lot of friends who actually will garden all year long. We're here in New Jersey, and we'll have winter months, but you can grow some things inside, some fresh herbs, leafy vegetables like spinach or lettuce, kale, things like that grow well inside uh, in pots. Um, you know, here in New Jersey, for a typical gardening season, we'll start end of April, early May, and it'll continue until about mid-October before you know, colder weather sets in and you really can't do much gardening outside with some of the other uh, more warmer weather plants like your tomatoes, peppers, things like that. Okay. Because I know usually we'll start, in the, we'll start in the fall. Um, we don't really do it in the winter. Um, I haven't tried to garden in the winter, so I might, I might need to find out if it, just give it a trial and error run just to see if it'll work in the winter. Um, yeah, I mean, it, Sometimes that's the best way of doing it is just, you know, experiment with something small. Um, if you never, like you said, you never don't garden in the winter, yeah, just try a couple of lettuce uh, plants. They grow really well inside. Uh, you, it, just put them on a windowsill and, and you'll be good to go. 
Right, and don't get we um in Atlanta we got the Atlanta Botanical Garden, so that'll be a good place if anybody probably wanna learn how to grow things, you can go there and probably get a little few expertise um as well. How can yep. one really decide like which vegetables to grow in their own garden though? Say that, I'm sorry, say that again, my phone broke up, I apologize. Oh, no. Right. Um, how can one decide which vegetables to grow in their garden? Oh, that's, well, that's a great question. And the, the answer that I like to give is grow what you like to eat. And, you know, okay. if you're a big tomato fan, grow tomatoes. And I recommend that because you're more likely to stick with it if you're growing something that you know you eventually will consume. Yeah, I love peppers, so I will grow peppers every year. That's, that's the staple in my garden. Um, and if I was just to grow just anything, that would be the only thing i grow, you know, if I only had one, a choice. So I would recommend to anybody out there who's new to it, or even some experienced people, grow what you like to eat because it, you're going to have a lot more fun doing it and you're going to stick with it. Okay. So I make sure I keep note of that. Um, now, I heard about Palmer, if I'm saying it right, Palmer culture. What exactly is that? Um, well, a permaculture is it's kind of like a, a you know, a, a, I don't want to say it's a complicated process, but it's more like an advanced technique to do a lot of gardening with. I'm, I don't do a lot of that myself, so I'm, I'm not really the expert on it, but I have spoke with people, and it is a really good technique once you get into it and you learn everything. Um, you know, some of the experts that I, I've talked to on my own show is, you know, Joe Lample or Jill Winger and people like that who are really into permaculture and uh, for your listeners out there, I would recommend that they tune into like one of their shows or they're writers for different gardening magazines if they're really into the permaculture because those guys are the experts at it. Okay, yeah, because I would, I probably would love to. Find, I'm definitely gonna look into that, Mike, because I would love to get into that because I know it's good. Look, probably I heard of good benefits coming from it, and maybe you should incorporate into your gardening. But now, if a what type of protection should you really give your plant in the wintertime? Uh, the, the protection? Uh, if you're talking about plants that are uh, you know, annual or perennials, they come back every year. You know, yeah. if, they're, if they overwinter, which means they basically just die back and they'll come back the following year, there's not really much that you need to do. Um, there's some exceptions to that. Like here in New Jersey, you know, we can grow artichokes, but in the colder months you kind of want to, after it dies back, you want to cover it up with some uh, the mulch for the the, uh, the plant would come back out of. And the reason for that is you kind of want to protect it from the elements. Now, we just came off of a very harsh winter here in New Jersey, and it worked, you know, a little bit of mulch uh, worked great, and my artichokes came back really strong. So those are the little things you want to do. But for the most part, they're pretty much just going to come back on their own. There's not really much that you need to do to, to, to protect them uh, for the ones that are, you know, more indigenous to whatever region they're planted for. Okay. Now, you know, I, I um, heard about manure tea. Cause see, this is all new to me regardless because I don't do it. I always have my husband do it, but I want to start helping out. I've heard of manure tea, and what is that exactly? Is that some part of animal that, that I got to take their compost and their feet, I mean their feces, and then mix some hot tea with it? Yeah, uh, well, uh, manure tea is, is one of the greatest things you could actually do for your garden because it's got so many benefits to it with adding nutrients and everything back to the soil. And basically the way it works is you use, you know, cow species, like you said, cow, horse, uh, those type of animals. And you have to let the manure age for 
a year, you know, so you have like a pile or something. Then after you let it age, which allows it to break down, you basically just take that, put it in a small burlap sack, tie the sack up, and steep it into like a five-gallon bucket of water. And you steep it for about, you don't have to heat it, nothing like that. You just put it regular, right, right in the water. And you let it go for about 24 to 48 hours. And then, then you have this sort of an elixir that um, you just basically spray on your plants or water your garden with it. And what it has is it, 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 it has all these nutrients and these microbes and these fungi and everything else that the plants need in order to grow and thrive. And it's just a wonderful um, just way of keeping your plants fed, which is what you need to do. And then there's, there's companies out there that uh, you can actually already get the aged manure already in like a bag. Uh, authentic Haven brand is one I could think off the top of my head, um, and, and it's not really that you know, it's not really that expensive. I mean, you know, it's obviously cheaper if you do it yourself and you have access to manure. But um, if that if that's not you don't have access to that, you can always uh, buy the product for it. Okay, and we now, how do you? Um, well, do you already explain how to do the manure tea? Is it? Should I worry when I do this manure tea, should I worry about any chance of E. coli or salmonella getting into this tea? Uh, the only, well, what, the only thing you really need to worry about is a couple of things. When you're steeping it in the water, you want to make sure that you cover the, the five-gallon bucket with some kind of screen so no mosquitoes or anything get in there because you have sitting water, you know, it's a breeding ground for mosquitoes, and you don't want that. But if you cover it with screen, they can't get in there, they can't lay their eggs. And then mosquitoes, I mean, you know, they, they, with everything going on in the world, they, you know, God knows what you can get these days. Um, as far as, you know, the Ebola and all that, those other diseases that are kind of floating around right now, I'm not really an expert on that. But I will tell you, when it comes to any type of, of manure uh, that you're using in your garden and you're going to make the tea out of it, uh, you'll read online some people will add, like, molasses and then run a, an air pump with it. You don't want to do that because what that'll do is it, that creates a breeding ground for pathogens, which could make you sick eventually. You don't want to use that. You just want to drop it in the water, let it do it. It'll just do it naturally. Don't add, you know, don't add an air pump. Don't add any molasses. Just let it do, it, do its thing. Put the screen on, and you're good to go. And um, I've been doing it at a manure tea for about four or five years now. It's something I'm it's been a little bit newer to my regimen. I haven't had any side effects, any ill effects from anything I've done. It's been completely safe. Okay, well that's that's definitely good to know. And I was I was talking about that earlier, the Ebola virus, and it's very scary to know that this is around us, and it feels like you're helpless. You can't do anything about it. And I'm I sort of agree with Donald Trump a little bit. This is over in another country, so you're deciding to bring people over here to do that, I mean, they must don't have the you must don't have the equipment or the things that they need to really um help them people there because it's scary you bringing this over here. I don't I don't want it. And I I hope yeah. that catches it because one of my coworkers was talking about it yesterday her friend just got a job at Emory, which they're transporting them to Emory and she wants to leave already. That's that's Scary stuff, oh, Mike. It is. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been I've been following that in the news, and and I'll tell you what. What I think they're up to over 700 deaths in 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 uh, the Liberia region. Yeah. I mean, that's 
that's unbelievable. And, and you know, I mean, it's a it's a smaller world than a lot of people think. Uh, you know, between you know air travel and seeing all that stuff. I mean, they, people move around. So talk about scary. You do feel helpless. I mean, you kind of are, <laughs> and it's not a laughing matter. But I'm, I'm you sit here and you're like, oh gosh, I feel terrible for those people. Like, what do you do? You know, and I don't know. Um, I haven't heard Donald Trump's comments or anything, so I can't I can't really comment on that. But um, you know, I I kind of feel for you with the whole. It's, it's a very scary situation. It is. All I can say is everyone just stay prayed up. That's the best that we can do and pray that you don't have nothing when you leave this world. I, oh, boy. Just yeah, I'll tell you. You want to get into a bubble and just stay in there. Like, I don't even want to come up <laughs> off home. Just stay in this house forever. If it could be like that, I would do it. You know, you know sometimes, sometimes me and my wife will just, we, we will go like a week or so with not even watching the news because it's, Nothing ever is good on the news anymore. So they all say, let's take a break from the news. I mean, you got to follow what's going on in the world, obviously. But it's just a while to take some days off because, gosh, well, you get you get done watching the news and you say, no, oh, man, like you said, you got to go build a bubble around my house, you know. So. Mm-mm-mm. I tell you, I, all these darn diseases coming out left and right. That's why I just said, Mike, you better stay. You gotta, you do. You have to stay prayed up. This stuff is no joke. Only God can prevent all this stuff. But you got to have a strong belief and faith. Now we're gonna, we, we, okay. See how we jump back to the fast stuff. Well, let's get back to the happy stuff. Gardening. That's right, people. Okay. Gardening. <laughs> <laughs> Mike got an awesome book, um, vegetable garden for the average person, and this teaches you all the little tips in it. And I do know that in Chapter 1, you mentioned about compost. If you don't know anything else or learn nothing else, know about your compost. Why is that so big of a factor, Mike? Because your soil is the foundation of your garden. And without good soil, you're not growing anything. I mean, you may may grow a little bit, but you're not going to get great production. And what compost does is basically it's just broken down organic matter, you know, your, your kitchen scraps, your grass clippings, your leaves, anything like that. Um, and when that breaks down through, the, you know, just basic process of, you know, various, you know, fungi and bacteria and everything, just breaking it down naturally, and you mix that into your soil, what you're doing is you're actually adding in all the nutrients, all the vitamins, all the minerals, all Anything else that your plant will need to grow. Just like us as humans, we need, you know, various vitamins and minerals and everything to grow and to stay healthy. The same thing is true with plants. If you did nothing to your soil, there was a study done recently, uh, and I believe it was done by the National Gardening Association, where anybody's average soil in their yard has less than 5% of the nutrients that your plant needs. So as you can imagine, I mean, just yourself, if you got less than 5% of you know, your recommended daily allowance of vitamins and stuff like that, you know, you're not going to be that much healthier of a person. And the same right. goes for plants. So adding in that compost increases that number and allows your plants just to, just to be better, to grow, to be healthy. And when you have the healthier plants, they fight off diseases. They're more likely to fight off some various insects that may destroy the crops. The compost is a very important part of gardening. Okay. Now, when it comes, you know, people who might have chickens and they might want to start a compost pile, um, can they use what type of um, pine shaving? Well, I guess really because I think what I heard some people say about pine shaving chicken bedding material or manure with food grade diatomaceous earth, if I'm saying that correctly, might. 
Did the dyad amuse you, sir? Yes, sir. Should I use that into the compost pile? Well, the diatomaceous earth is more of a kind of an insect stopper. What that is is that's microscopic bacteria kind of fossils. Um, and what they'll do is let's say you have, I don't know, an infestation of aphids in, in your plants. You would spray that on, and the diatomaceous earth would actually get into the aphids and kill them. It brings down the population. It's, it's an organic way to, to keep insects off your plants. The downfall is, it doesn't distinguish between good and bad bugs, so you kind of have to use it, you know, really sparingly. Unless you, know, especially, uh, you only would use it if you're having like a really bad infestation of something. As far as you know, the pine shavings with your chickens and stuff like that, that is all great. Chicken manure and the pine shavings used in the bedding are all fantastic additions to your compost pile. But with any manure, you want you want to let it age. You don't want to put fresh manure in your garden. You'll burn up your plants because it's very rich in nitrogen uh, when it's fresh, and, and too much nitrogen is not good for your plants. Right, because that's what I, I heard, too. Is that the same, too, Mike, for when you're using manure tea? Should it be fresh? Because some say you can use fresh, and some say don't use fresh. Um, I like mine to age only because of the potential of too much nitrogen, and um, with the manure tea, I'll use it as my garden's growing. Uh, it gives, gives my plants a nice boost. But, again, the manure should be – I prefer it to be aged. Um, you know, I haven't seen any studies showing the difference between either or. It's just something that I've been doing. It's been working for me, so I stick with it. I'm sort of that type of gardener. Okay. And I think these are good lessons, too, that you could pass on. Like you said, you learned when you was a child. These are valuable lessons. To children, they they can learn to recycle and reuse materials. They can learn about compost, and, and it can be a tricky job, but it'd be fun for them to learn. And when they grow up, these would be great little tips that they could carry on to others. So I I think this will be a great book for the family, starting the benefits with your children right now. Yeah, I mean, I have, I have. I'm sorry. Yeah, I have, I have two small children, and I tell you what, I love mm-hmm. getting out there in the garden with them and just teaching them and. You know, it's just, it's just exciting because they can see them learning. And it's not just the gardening aspect. You hear we just talked about compost. We're talking about manure tea and diatomaceous earth. There's all kinds of other things that go with gardening that you can teach your, your kids once you get you're knowledgeable about it. Okay. Um, now, when it comes to the demands of your plants, how much watering should you have to do or need to do? Um. You know, a rule of thumb is, you know, a, a, a light watering every day won't hurt your plants. You don't want to saturate them and, and have your soil be too wet. And, again, it's going to vary based on your, the plants that you have. Like pumpkins need a lot of water, uh, and so you would water pumpkins more often. That's something you do. Whereas peppers don't need as much as water, and you can just water them a little bit every day. Um, but, you know, if you have everything kind of in, together in your whole garden area, which is very common, you know, you have everything kind of planted together, if you just give it a light watering every day, uh, you'll be fine. If you're in an area like Texas or Arizona where it's, you, know, you get those extreme heat temperatures, you, you're going to want to water it more often, and uh, you, your plants will be fine. Okay. Now, Mike, in your situation, do you go organic? Yes, I go organic as best I can. Um, I don't spray any pesticides. I don't use any synthetic fertilizers. 
I would probably say the only thing I don't do that I, I would consider organic is I use a gas-powered tiller to plow under my land. I, some people frown upon that. I, it's just something I like to do. Um, I don't know if it's considered organic or not, but I know you're, if you, the more you get to where you're using hand tools and you're not using any outside, you're kind of just letting it be natural and just grow um, is very big a part of the organic process. So that's kind of what I do, uh, just because, you know, this is food that I eat. This is food that I share with my family. And if I get an ample harvest, I share it with the local food bank or my church. We donate a lot of food. Um, you know, and I want to feel good that the food I'm giving to somebody, you know, is healthy and, um, you know, they can, you know, it really helps them out. Right. And most of the things that we were discussing, listeners, about certain organic things like the compost, the manure, um, other things, leaf mold, um, sawdust that we didn't talk about, but these are some of the most commonly added and least expensive organic amendments for your organic garden soil. So if you want to know more about it, you can always end up probably researching and find out what to add to your soil. Now, this brings me to the next question. Why why should you amend your soil? Um, well, for the reason that we spoke with earlier in the compost, um, you want to amend your soil with all this stuff because more than likely your soil is depleted of nutrients. So you want to okay. add that in to make sure that it's nice and healthy for your plants. Um, and again, like you know, I can't, I can't iterate it enough just how important that soil is because it really is the foundation of any garden, whether you're doing a food garden or you're just growing flowers or anything else. You'd want to make sure that you're, you have really rich, good soil. Okay. Now, one person mentioned that they had, like, they got some bag of leaves from a neighbor, and then they realized that they had a lot of spiny, sweet gumballs in with the leaves. And I guess, well, I never had asked them, but I guess I can ask you, my, when you do that, will that decompose in a garden, or should you just put them in a long-term compost bin? I, well, the leaves themselves will break down very quickly. So if you let this... Oh. Say you just had a bag of leaves that didn't have those little gumball things in it. Um, you could just actually just mix that right in with the soil, and you'll be fine. If you okay. have those little gumballs or even small twigs and stuff like that, you want to put them in a compost pile to give them time to break down because they're going to take a little bit longer than leaves. Leaves are very easy to break down, leaves, grass clippings, that, those type of things. But anything that's a little bit bigger, a little bit more sturdier, you want to put them in a compost pile so that they break down. Okay, and should you put your compost pile like maybe in the sun or under trees? You know, it, it really it doesn't matter. It, it's whatever is more convenient for you and less of an eyesore. If you have neighbors that think it's an eyesore, uh, mine is on the side of the shed. It gets shade all day. Uh, it doesn't get any sun. What you really want to do, is, especially with your compost pile, is you want to make sure that it's moist because you need water for all the bacteria to work. And then you want to turn it over. When I say turn it over, you know, use a pitchfork or something. Just kind of flip it over every couple of days to allow oxygen to get in there because that will really get it to break down a lot faster. Why? Right. and I have known some people to try to use grass clippings, but they said those are they're very difficult to compost because they have a lot of chlorophyll in them. Well, I mean, it depends on your grass clippings. Um, see, what happens is you want a good mix. Grass clippings oh. will be considered greens, which greens means it's high in nitrogen, whereas leaves are brown. So it's, it's, if you have a good mix of your browns and your greens and you're mixing, it's gonna, everything's going to break down because they kind of complement one another. 
is really the best way of kind of putting that. Um, your brown, besides leaves, be considered, you know, shredded paper, cardboard, sticks, twigs, wood ash, those things. Yes, grass could be a little bit more complicated if you're using nothing but grass because it will eventually get compacted, and that makes it tougher to break down. Um, and when it gets compacted, you're gonna, you, it'll start developing an odor because there's no oxygen getting in there. So as long as you, you know, mix it up, you have a nice mix of things, keep turning it over, a little bit of water, you should be fine. You shouldn't have any issues. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I did hear that before. You want to keep it balanced. It keeps that from getting that smelly old stinky odor from all that green material. Now, Mike, with your wonderful book, what else will the readers find in here? In the book, I mean, you'll find everything to, if you're new to gardening, which is how I wrote it to uh, really cater to somebody who is trying to get into gardening, you're going to learn about composting. You're going to learn about various seed starting techniques. Uh, I know uh, that's a great way of helping save money with gardening is if you start things from seed. Uh, you're going to learn more about, you know, a little bit about the climate and watering and aerating. Uh, and I try to take you as best I can step by step, real easy. I get in, like you said, composting. I get into worm composting in there, which is uh, another great method of adding nutrients back to your soil. So you're going to kind of get a mix of just a lot of stuff that you'll need just to get started. And I love it, too, because then you have the scan coder in your book for almost every section of after the chapters, and that's pretty awesome. You you rarely find that in well, you don't really find that in books. So yeah, you know, I, 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 oh, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, right. yeah, I, I, yeah I, I tried to put that in there because I know when I go through books myself that, you know, I, I always said, oh, that would be helpful, so I kind of want to do it. Uh, you know, for for my own. Okay. Now, it, what makes your book probably different from any other book uh, on gardening? Well, it's my own experiences. It's uh, okay. you know, it, it, what you're going to read is you're not going to read you know somebody's classroom scientific lesson. What you're going to read is everything that I actually use and do, and I've been doing my whole life. And I know it works for me, so I, I'm confident that it's going to work for a lot of other people. Um, you know, like uh, I, we, we talk about not only, you know, the composting and starting seeds, but uh, one of the big things that, you know, irritates a lot of people when they're new to gardening is the weeding. So I show you some of the things that I do to cut down the weeding. Now, you can't cut it down 100%, but what I like to do is, is I like to use newspaper as a weed barrier, you know, so maybe some straw on top. It kind of suppresses the weeds, helps retain moisture in your soil. So you're going to find that in there, but more importantly, everything that I write about is everything that I use. So I'm not giving you any tips that I wouldn't personally use myself. Well, in this game, it's a very simple book. If you follow step-by-step, step, which I do love it, in here, even talk about worms, and that's the main thing some people don't like to do, but hey, um, it's very yeah. well you should get it. Yeah, the kid. Yeah, the kids really like the worm. We have like a worm farm going, and, and uh, the kids really love it. So, if, if for nothing else, if you have kids, I, I your your kids are gonna love the worm. So, <laughs> I know, and that's one thing I used to cut stand on worms. And I think as I got older, though, that's when I was like, ah, oh, it's just a worm. It's just wiggly. Just go and pick it on up and be done with it. <laughs> yes, they're harmless. They're not gonna bother you. They're, the worms are your garden friends. Uh, if I can't stress that enough, if you see a lot of worms in your garden, that's a good thing. So uh, you're on the right track. 
And also, Mike the Gardener has a club out, Season of the Month Club. And what does this club entail, Mike? Oh, the, the Season of the Month Club is great. What, what it is is you can sign up for the club, and okay. we send you four packs of vegetable, fruit, and herb seeds every month for as long as you're a member. And we, we have members in all 50 states and in over 17 countries, so you know, we're pretty widespread. All the seeds are non-GMO, okay? They're all heirloom varieties. So let's say, you know, you get a, you know, we recently just sent out vegetable squash not too long ago. And let's say you really like those. You can actually save the seeds from the fruit that you're growing and grow them in subsequent seasons. So you don't have to buy that seed again. Uh, and that's the whole purpose of sending out the heirlooms so that, you know, you can save seeds from what you're growing. And we've been doing this since October of 2009. I absolutely love it. You know, we're a small company that, that's doing it, and um, I, just, I just love it. I mean, I, the fact that I could actually share what I do and share my own passion and do it with the seeds is just, I, I just absolutely love it. Well, I know you do. And, Mike, you love it so much that you even have your own podcast out, which is very which entails with the gardening. You have different people coming on, talking about their garden tips, and and I just love that fact. I mean, you can't get no better than all this information on home vegetable garden in the industry. And, and Mike, when does that air? The, you know, the, the new share shows air every Monday. Uh, you can okay. listen to me directly from our website or through iTunes. And uh, I absolutely love doing it. I, I just love talking to other gardeners and, and not only do I, you know, I've been doing this a long time myself, but when I start talking to, like, a lot of other experts from especially different areas of the world that I have never gardened in, I'm learning too. And so I'm hoping that I'm asking all the right questions so that individuals who are listening to my show also are learning as well. And that, that's really what I'm trying to get across. It's just I want it to be an educational show. And, and if you listen to the show, you'll, you'll hear that I'm always having fun with the guests and we're having a good time. And that, that's also another good uh, aspect of it as well. Right, and if you want to follow Mike, you can do so on LinkedIn, Mike the Gardener, Twitter, Mike the Gardener, and also his Facebook fan page, too, Vegetable Garden. So there are things that you can check out. Make sure that you purchase Mike's book. You could probably get it quickly from Amazon, Vegetable Garden for the Average Person, A Guide to Vegetable Garden for the Rest of Us, and check out his podcast that airs on Mondays. So, Mike, I really do appreciate you for coming on to the show. Was there anything else that you would like the listeners to know? Uh, first, I just want to thank you so much for having me on. Anytime I can come on a show and talk gardening and reach an audience where we can get some more people gardening and growing their own food, it's, it's, it's great. And uh, hopefully your husband uh, takes some of the tips that we talked about today and doubles the size of his garden and does well. <laughs> Me too. So no rat would not be stealing another corn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely put those tra- put, put those traps out. That's your corn. <laughs> and it attacked, it attacked my neighbor corn. So when we went outside, my neighbor just had all his corn stalks in the garbage. He was like, uh-uh, I can't do this. So, <laughs> well, Mike, yeah. we definitely, definitely end up doing this again. I'll make sure I stay in contact with you. Oh, absolutely. Send me some pictures of your garden. I'd love to see them. I sure will, Mike. You take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, everyone, I hope you have fun and getting all your tips and your tricks, techniques here on the Bright Side with me, listening to all the garden tools that you need and about compost, manure tea with Mike 
Palesni. And please, like I said, check out his book, Vegetable Garden for the Average Person, a guide to vegetable garden for the rest of us. I will see you soon. You have a blissful day, and don't let anyone get in your way. Thank you for tuning in to The Bright Side with Tanisha. Come back daily from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. God bless.